Hey, hey, folks, welcome to the show that punches you in the face with information. My name is Marco Turbury, and welcome to the Wolf's Den. In this episode, I interview and have a really great conversation with Owen Lacey. Owen Lacey is the head chief and director, a head strength coach at the Irish Strength Institute, which is obviously in Ireland. Owen is one smart cat, and uh, I, I really, really did enjoy this interview, speaking to Owen on all things strength, conditioning, personal training, nutrition, you name it. We get into a lot of really great stuff, great content here. Owen, thank you for your time, sir. This was a very fun and uh, very insightful conversation and, and, and loved chatting with you. So folks, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Enterprise Fitness, Melbourne's leading personal training studio. We are Melbourne's premier personal training studio. So if you are looking to get in shape, reach out to us. And if you are a trainer listening to this and you need some help in your business, whether it's training, nutrition, or the business systems and principles, check out Enterprise Fitness Academy, where I show the folks, the trainers, and I've had trainers from all over the world who've learned from me and our team how to be better on the gym floor and be handsomely rewarded for that and create head-turning results for their clients. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me bring to you Owen Lacey. Owen, it is a pleasure to, to meet you a bit online. Um, I've heard a lot of great things. Um, I saw on Facebook the other day, I saw you come up and um, I thought oh, I've got to reach out and um, have a chat, have a, have a genuine chat between coaches. And I'm very curious to see what you've been up to. Um, obviously, I've heard a lot about you. I'll, I'll just give you kind of my background of uh, where I've heard you around the traps. Um, I did my PICP you know, back in the day with Clark Finn. And Clark said, you know, this is a guy in the islands named Owen Lacey, and he's teaching physiotherapists, you know, how to do knee rehab. And, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a smart cat, and, and he, he does some great results. And from that, I think you, you were the strength coach. I, I don't want to be getting it wrong, but Conor McGregor, um, who I think is a national treasure for you guys over in Ireland. And, um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get much bigger than that. And obviously, you've got your functional medicine stuff that's going on, the Irish Strength Institute. I've been seeing some, some great stuff that's coming out um, from you guys. So I, I definitely wanted to connect and um, just, yeah, have a, have a genuine chat and see, see what's up. And, um, yeah, so how, how are you going, sir? Yeah, so we're good here. It's uh, Obviously, it's a challenging time um, with what's going on at the moment. Um, but no, business is good. That's one thing I pride myself on. I, I was lucky enough to meet some really big mentors in my career over the evolution and I've continued to meet other people since then and one of the things the PICP really for me the people that got involved in the PICP were people that were early adopters people that were willing to keep this journey moving forward to in the search of excellence so I've met some really good friends colleagues co-workers people I still keep in contact with on a, on a regular basis so I think that level of, of coaching and specifically with program design and periodization nutrition I think it has a self-selected a group of people that were were on a journey to be successful, no matter what they did. So yeah, I think it's been a it's been a it was a great journey for me to be involved in that for such a long period of time. Yeah, I can stand corrected, but you you my my understanding you Andre Benoit and John Connor uh, actually wrote the the material uh, for PICP one two and three. If, if I'm if I'm correcting that. You are, but what I would say is writing is not exactly what happened. What happened was I was in college studying to be a physiotherapist. John Connor was studying a lot of stuff with Paul Cech. 
um, and we both worked in this in the same facility. Um, and then we came across Charles' books back then. The internet wasn't really up and going around that time. So we um, got his books and then we invited Charles over to Ireland. And we got Charles there. And how it used to be, the, the, whole, the PCP wasn't really formulated then. And Charles would teach a seminar and he would just go here yeah. and then here. So we teach, a, we, we teach a level one course. And back then it would be a day on back. A day on chest, a day on bicep, a day on tricep, a day in shoulder rehab, and so on. And then other days he could come in and go off on a complete other tangent yeah. of five elements. And so what myself and John did, and my Charles, that's how we got on so well. We we formulated his thoughts into a syllabus, if that makes sense, um, which allowed us a great opportunity to to uh, bleed information from him, but also to structure it in such a way that it was suitable towards the people attending the course. Because Charles, as you know, his, his unique teaching style, uh, <clears throat> unique is a great word to say there, um, he was m- mainly dealing with athletes for the majority of his life. <clears throat> mm. And when you train athletes, your coaching skills, your your manner, your, your, your teaching style is different than if you're teaching an executive, you're teaching a, a person training client. So what we were able to do is take the, the science of the strength and conditioning that he, that he put together, and put it in, in, a, in a syllabus that was usable for coaches that were dealing with athletes, were dealing with rehab, were dealing with groups, maybe boot camps or semi-private training, and also personal trainers to a certain degree. So that's how we didn't put it. We didn't make it. It wasn't our material in any way. It was Charles' material. We helped to formulate the levels all the way up to level five and the advanced education series as well on top of that. Yeah, it was fantastic. I remember when I was dropping for my, my level five, um, I said to Charles, hey, you know, I've got this client. She's won four Australian titles. Who's a bigger competitor. She won the Arnold Classic. And um, he's he's turned around and he said to me, Mark, you train bumfuck athletes. Train a real athlete. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. All right. So I, I got my level four and I was like, all right, I'm going to start training uh, athletes. So I started training boxers and I worked with um, Andrew Maloney who won Commonwealth Games Gold. So I finally did get my, my level five. But, but Charles always had had that way of um, kind of lighting the fire under your ass in a way that I don't even think yeah. he meant, meant to do it, but it was always just, it always came off in a, uh, for me anyway, for, you know, for me, it came off very positively when he, when he laid the gauntlet down, I, I had to always um, rise to the occasion and, and, and do battle, so to speak. So it was always very, very fond memories. So um, with, with where you're at right now, um, can you talk a little bit about, I suppose, Conor McGregor? Uh, I kind of want to start there and just see, like, what was your involvement with him in his training camps and for how long, what type, type of time period? Yeah, so so when it comes to, to Conor, so, <clears throat> excuse me, Conor is involved in a gym called Straight Blast Gym, or SBG for short. Um, and I, I was walking heavily with, it, with Charles teaching at the time. And I got this athlete, and he was a very good MMA athlete, and he progressed from his club into SBG. So when he went to SBG, the head coach, John Cavanagh, Connor's coach, went, man, this fella's fitness and strength is, is phenomenal. He's, he's mauling people. So John Cavanagh, the coach, contacted me and said, look, I like what you're doing with this guy. Would you come on board to look after the pro team? And at that time, Connor was in the pro team. Carl Pendred, Gunnar Nelson, Ash Daly, Chris Fields, all, all top guys. And we, we had a one time with five UFC athletes uh, in the UFC at the time, MMA athletes progressed into the UFC. So we were looking after Connor for 10, 10 11 years. Um, I actually was involved in Connor's uh, camp against Cowboy, which was again before the, the last fight. So yeah, we, we don't do his, his strength and condition anymore. He has a company that he, he it's called 
fast and McGregor fast, I think he calls him. So he has the guys that he has that company with doing his SNC. But we, we were with Connor for 11 years, right up to leave his whole amateur career, right into his professional career, and then right into his four six fights in the UFC. Now, I mean, like you, you obviously you're you're in Ireland. Conor McGregor, the way the way I mean, Australia. So obviously culturally, there's a few differences. Um, but the way I see it, um, Conor McGregor for you guys is is as I said before, like a national treasure. I mean, in Ireland, it, it couldn't get any bigger in terms of athletes that you could train. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, is it is, is that a fair statement? Well, th- well, this is the thing. Yes, yes and no. So, I, I, so Johnny Sexton, you know, Johnny Sexton is a rugby player. Jamie Heaslip, uh, Keith Earls, these are all big, high-profile rugby players, which I look after as well. Then I've got guys, I look after the Olympic Azerbaijan wrestling team. I have done for eight years. So when you say, when it's popular, you have to say, what's the benefit of training Connor to my business? Or what's the benefit of training a high-profile rugby guy to my business? Helping athletes in all different sports is, is what we do. Yes, Having the benefit of training Connor is good from a promotional side of things, but it doesn't necessarily bring you more business. It does open you up to helping other MMA athletes, but it, it, it's a benefit as in training Carl Frampton, another boxer, or training, you know, track and field guys who've looked after. So it, it all depends. I, I think an SNC coach, there's, there's a guy called Al Vermeil, who's an absolute legend in the in the strength and conditioning world. He's the only coach to have a, an NBA ring, an NFL ring, and um a major league baseball ring. And I did an internship with him based off Charles' recommendation. And I, he said to me, he said, oh, what's the difference between a baseball player or an uh, American football player? I went, oh, well, hang on. Let me tell you. I know all about this. And he went, the uniform on. The uniform. <laughs> when you train an athlete, you train an athlete. You train their weaknesses. You develop their strength. You, you, you put together a better uh, physical conditioning athlete. So whether you're an MMA guy, wouldn't you understand biomechanics and energy systems and, and power development, endurance, and capacity, and energy systems, you can train any athlete. Mm. So, yes, I'd like to say the benefit of Connor was down to my strength and condition, but I couldn't definitely say that. It's a skill set. It's his awkwardness. It's, it's He hit the mark at the time where it needed somebody that had, was cocky and confident and got a country behind him. And then when the, the, the divisions or the two divisions were optimal for someone of his capacity. So, yes, it, it's great credentials to have that, but... I don't think, you can, in my opinion, coaches shouldn't hang their hat on one successful athlete. It should be multiple successful athletes showing you their, your skills in that area. So, for example, I worked for the Paralympic Council of Ireland. I trained the cerebral palsy uh, football team. Now, I don't know if you know much about cerebral palsy, but it's it's, it's mind-breaking. It's very difficult to, to train an athlete that mm. can't hold a dumbbell or a barbell correctly. But Charles tells the story, well, he did tell the story much better than I did. But I trained this guy for the for the Beijing Paralympics in 2008. And he went to the, to the Paralympics. And then after two games, he was assessed and they wouldn't let him play anymore because he had out-trained his disability. Now, for me, to get an athlete, and this guy had gone to the, the Olympics before as, as a sprint athlete and had transitioned over to soccer, which happens quite often. In, in that in that sport but he went to the Paralympics and then got told he couldn't play anymore because his abilities weren't severe enough to classify him to play now that didn't change the fact that he had cerebral palsy but when when you do standard conditioning you can enhance someone's physical abilities change direction speed development fitness and so on you can and multiple sports that's the I think that's the the true essence of a coach that can look outside the box yeah that's fantastic actually one of my one of my very first clients named Daniel 
he had he had cerebral palsy and I actually trained him for free for quite some time because he was so fascinated and to see what we could do together. Isn't and, it? Um, yeah, we did. We did quite quite good. Like it definitely changed his gait and his structure. But I mean, above all else, it changed his confidence, which was great to see. You said something on a, a podcast about having a, a special cerebral palsy bar. I've never heard of this. Um, is that you've got like special equipment for, for cerebral palsy? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So what what I did, uh, like Charles, he he was he was great in way, but then he he used to slag me off. He takes me, oh, oh, I got a new tibialis machine. I'm like, what? New tibialis machine? I was straight on to Atlantis. I need yeah. a tibialis machine. Or you get dumbbells, tick grip dumbbells. I'm like, this is the funny thing. When we opened our first gym, <clears throat> I opened my first gym in, in 1999. Um, and then when I opened the first ISOE with John Connor, it was 2003 we opened the gym. But I bought black, um, black iron strength dumbbells, the one that he recommended. They were $40,000. I had no business spending forty thousand dollars on dumbbells, but I, you know, you get into this of having nice tools and different needs of condition. So when I trained the guys with cerebral palsy, they they can't do this. They can't get their hands behind. They're all in front, and because one hand will be in flexion dominant, so we've got special made safety bars, safety squat bars, so they could they could hold onto the bar in front. I got buffalo bars and cambered bars, so they could hold it down here, so they could still. I got. Special made Swiss bars or, or football bars or Cadillac bars so they, could, so they could bench press because they could put their hand in a neutral position. And the, the greater the diameter of the bar, like we have three inch thick bars, the greater the diameter of the bar, the less flexion they're in. So it allowed them to do all the activities that other people would do um, in the gym, you know, and grip attachments and oh, loads of stuff we have that are unique. Phenomenal, phenomenal. I, I, need, I need to go, there's so many rabbit holes I want to go down, but. Uh, while we're on the topic of equipment, um, what, what is your dumbbells of choice this day? Uh, is, is it Watson's or you're not so much fussed on, on what type of dumbbell you're using? No, no uh, what I do is, so for me, it, it, the dumbbell is all about the person who's going to use it. So I like smaller increments. So so the black the black iron strength dumbbells we have downstairs in the gym, they go from uh, 10 pounds up to 90 pounds in, in two and a half pound jump. So it's a very small jump. I did get a company called Black Box Fitness. They made uh, tick grip dumbbells for me because their 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 craftsmanship is phenomenal. But they're really they're really good. So I have both. There's black iron strength downstairs. I have Black Box, and then I have two small racks with uh, small dumbbells from two down to ten kilos. So it all depends on the, on the people we're using, you know. Yeah, nice. <laughs> now, one thing you said that the, the the Conor McGregor working with these high elite athletes hasn't done so much for the business front other than give you more UFC fighters. I find that really fascinating. I think that someone like Conor um, having his notoriety, I know he did some work with Ida Portel and Ida Portel definitely rode those coattails for some time, especially yeah. when he won that fight. Um, for business, you, you've, you've noticed minimal gain from, from working with these well, athletes? Well, this, this is the thing. The, the, the ISI, the Oil Strength Institute, is, is one part of the business that we have. So we, we've got four high-performance facilities in, in Ireland and one, one, one in Portugal. And then we have some nutritional clinics. We have corporate wellness. We've got, we've got a huge different demographic of business. But if, you, if I was to ask, because I'm not quite sure what, how, what your business model is like, but most S&C coaches that I talk to and most personal trainers – they all have this interest in training athletes, right? And I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the Pareto principle, the, the 80-20 rule. And most of the people that are, are train, that like to train athletes, they're not necessarily making 80% of the revenue from mm. athletes. 
They're maybe making them from maybe fat loss. They may be making them from rehabilitation or they may be making them from executives from the age of 25 to, let's say, 65 or 25 to 65. Training Conor McGregor doesn't necessarily open doors for that 25 to 65-year-old female looking to lose weight. Yes, it increases your profile, but it doesn't necessarily get you more of the paying clients that, that are going to generate 80% of the revenue. Now, for me, my, my own personal business, not the, not the OSI's business, it, is, it does open doors if you're going to teach a seminar. So when I went over to do my interview for the Azerbaijan Olympic wrestling team, when I went there, they did take on board that I trained MMA athletes for 11 years as experienced with, with high-profile guys. But training an Olympic wrestling guy or training a Greco-Roman wrestling guy or girl is, is very different than training an MMA guy. As I said, it's the uniform. It's their abilities. It's their peaking. It's their conditioning. So it does open doors, but from a person training point of view, not necessarily. Hmm, interesting. How many people are on your, your team at the moment? 20, 27 guys in total we have. Yeah, all, all coaches got admin, or is that just mainly coaches that you got? Yeah, that's the coaches included in that is the physio and osteopath included in that. Right. Awesome. Awesome. And is it is it so you've got four four studios in Ireland, one in Portugal, so five operations. Are are you managing all the operations yourself or do you have someone on who, who manages that for you and you just focus on coaching? Yeah, so each so this facility I'm in at the moment, this is the this is the, the biggest facility that we have. I run this one. I have actually a nutritional clinic just across the way where we do all our OEVs, all our blood testing, all our hormone testing. We have a like a recovery area with normal techs and game readies and a, and a flotation tank. And the gym, not, gym in the city centre, Stephen Ward, he looks at after that that place. And John Connor looks after the other, other two places. So we have each we've a, we've a director in each one of the locations that looks after the day to day running of that facility. The place in Portugal, we only. It's only an operation when we're there. When we're not there, it's not an operation. So it's only open up and use when we're in the country. So it's only when we go to do a camp or do a training retreat or maybe an executive one or maybe it's a camp for a flight, that's when we go over. So how do you find managing the difference between, you know, being a coach? Because, you know, you're working with some high-level guys, right? And, and working with high-level guys, they require a lot of uh, love, attention, focus, you know, and, and then you've got the business commitments, four locations, 26 staff members. How, how do you go between practitioner slash business owner back to, you know, practitioner? That, 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 that's, a, that's a challenge. And what I would say is at the early part of my career, I, I went to the leisure management. So I was the manager of, of what is still now Ireland's largest gym with 10,500 members. And for a young man to be in, in, in a gym where you're, we had a lot of staff, man. We actually can't remember. We had over 30 staff in the gym, and then we had pool staff and tennis staff. We had climbing wall. It was a huge facility. So going from that down to a smaller gym is, is much easier. However, when one day I'm over here, I'm in the clinic going through hormones and fertility with one person. Then I'm over here maybe doing a rehab session with, with a guy's carpal tunnel or whatever it may be. And then you have to oversee the business. It, it, it is a challenge, and unfortunately – in my opinion, in this game, and I still talk to a lot of coaches, do a lot of mentoring online from a business point of view. People focus on their being a technician, and I'm sure you've heard this from the email. People are working in the business, not necessarily on their business. And I think the business acumen, people don't focus enough on it. So I think building a resilient team, having regular performance reviews and appraisals, having somebody objectively look at your business and having a business goal and strategic plan from it, 
every aspect, whether it be your numbers, your intake, your your membership, your fees, whatever it is. I think that is as pivotal a part of the business as it is learning how to do Olympic lifting or learning rehab. Because I know, and I'm sure you know this too, Mark, you've got loads of friends that are probably brilliant coaches, but terrible businessmen, terrible business people that they can't structure a business. So, and I know loads of osteopaths and chiros and physios that are phenomenal with their hands, but they're working all the time and making very little money. And unfortunately, these lessons are learned in the trenches, which they shouldn't necessarily be. Learning in the trenches is very costly. For me, buying $40,000 dumbbells when the gym isn't even opened yet is is moronic, you know? So, but back in the day, you do these things and you learn and you evolve. And sometimes it doesn't break you down and sometimes it does. And I think now in, in the current climate, people need to be able to, look at themselves objectively and say, okay, what aspect of, of my skill set do I need to improve? Is that marketing? Is that, is that you know, building a team? Is that staff training? Is that, you know, collaboration with other people? And one of the things I love about the industry, and I, I, like, to see, I like to see it as a positive, is that we have, like, you're all the way over in Australia, and we can have a conversation. We have so many things in common. That if you ever rang up, give, gave me an email, own. I've got a client going to Ireland. Can you look after the same way? I would gladly send someone over to you. So I think we should be more open-minded and have a more growth mindset to lean on other people within the industry. But sometimes I think we pigeonhole ourselves and don't open up to learn from other people. So we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. So, so in 2016, actually, I've got a few of them on the line right now. In 2016, I started a program for trainers called Wolfpack. And literally trainers from all over the world have come in. We've got one guy in, in Canada. He's been, been to Melbourne now three times. And, you know, the feedback I always get is people, the trainers who come in, they're, they're quite astounded at how open I am and willing to share information with them. Uh, because I think people are like, oh, you know, you're scared they're going to be a competitor. Uh, my take is that a high tide, uh, you know, raises all boats. You know, everyone benefits oh, from a high tide. So, you know, improving the standard of this industry, you know, my, my goal is, is to make personal training, to raise the standard of personal training worldwide. And to do that, you need professionals, <laughs> an army of people who are all practicing by, you know, the, the same creed and who aren't the cowboys and, and you know, Barbie uh, females going out and just, you know, ass, tits, abs, Instagram, this, doing the wrong thing. It, it, it's that that does far more damage than, you know, uh, sharing information. You know, sharing information uh, gets people better and it only does positives for the industry. So I'm, I'm 100% on board with, with what you're saying there. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's nice to hear. Question. Yeah, it's, it's actually, so you go for it. <clears throat> I, I was going to ask, um, you've got four studios. Um, what was the decision uh, point that you decided to go, let's open more? Because uh, on one hand, you could consolidate your business into, say, one bigger facility, um, but you've gone for four. What's the process thinking around that? No, no, that's – this is one of the things I would say. It wasn't a conscious decision. Wasn't so it? Was. It wasn't. It was not. Mm. We did not sit down and say, we are at capacity here. We need a second location, which would have made perfect sense. What happened was we wanted to grow the business. We had a good business model where we were and another facility came available. And we wanted to capitalize on what was going on and the growth that we had. And we had, we had a, there was a facility closing down. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> there was a facility closing down in the area. And we had staff that were, you know, sometimes going in between two. So we sort of capitalized on that location. The location I'm here at the moment, you can't see it now, but it's just past this wall. Here's the ocean. It's, we're in a marina. So there's boats around us. It's in the most affluent um, area in the whole of Dublin. So when this came about, 
and I had the time to take myself away from the other business. So it wasn't a conscious decision. In hindsight, we could have planned it much better, but it, it's worked out quite well because we, we've got very skilled and qualified people in each facility to grow it. But if I was to, if I was to talk to a younger coach now, I would say focus on the one, one center. Optimize your procedures. Make your business franchisable in your mind. And then if you want to replicate it somewhere and it makes business sense, well, then go ahead. We didn't necessarily do that. with the, We opened our business when we were in a recession. So as we were still growing, we were coming out of recession, we capitalized on that. So when you have money and you have staff and you have the research and opportunities come up, you, you need to have a flexible business model and a, and a team. That's one thing I don't think people focus on enough. This is a team industry. Like mm. I, I remember... I got interviewed, uh, this is way back when, and this lady said to me, Jenny Macon, you, you're expensive. And Charles always told me to, you know, charge what you're worth, learn more to earn more. So I was studying and I was traveling, all these guys learning. So I put my fees up and I've been the most, I'm the most expensive trainer in Ireland and have been since 2006. No, I don't, I don't necessarily do that to be the most expensive. I do that because as I ed- educate myself, I raise my fees. My fees are at a certain level. So when people come to see me, they may not necessarily train with me or do nutrition with me, but I can then filter them down to the staff. So when all the inquiries come in, I can, I can grow the business, I can grow the team, and the guys can learn then different aspects and I can oversee it and supervise and help out. But it, I would honestly say a strategic plan is much better and aligning yourself excuse me, with your business model rather than making decisions on the fly, which we did. We were young, we were naive. But it's worked out for us. Yeah. So you just rinsed and repeated that kind of formula and and opened a bunch in in what seems like a fairly short period of time. Yeah, it was a short period of time. Yeah. And did did all of those other ones, like the the third and the fourth, did they come about because of opportunities like the the second one that you were saying? Yeah. So what will happen is we will see a location open up and we 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 do reviews. So for example, where we are right now, we're we're exactly ten kilometers. Um, from the city centre in Dublin. And a lot of people will pass to the city centre to do work and then come home again. So what we try to do is we survey the clients that we had, and a lot of them were from where I am right now, in the most affluent place. So what we would do is we would survey them, we'd ask them questions, we'd do market research to find out there's a lot of other places that could, a lot of other clients potentially could come to this facility. So by opening this facility, we were filling a niche. We were maximising the clients that we had. So we would do research to make sure it was viable. Like the, like the city centre gym, when those gyms closed in the city centre, there were seven personal trainers in that facility that were working full-time. There was 11 personal trainers in there that were part-time, and that gym went bust. Not those guys, they were personal trainers, but the actual gym itself. So here you have hundreds of PT clients with nowhere to go. And most of these guys have gone through our certification and gone through the PSUP because we actually used to do, use that gym as a, as a public and core centre. So we had all these clients, all these staff, all these clients, all these staff, and no gym to train them. So we, we turned around the gym in a very short space of time to capitalize on that area. When you turn around a gym, um, you know, do you have to have your stamp of, you know, Aleco type Atlantis equipment, or are you just like, you know, you're not so much attached to the type of equipment anymore? Um, it's just kind so, of like whatever it so is. Th- yeah, so the, the 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 city, all our facilities, bar the city centre gym, has hasn't got a leak on Atlantis in that facility, and the only reason that had to happen, we needed to turn that around in a, two weeks. So while that gym closed down, we reopened. So we went through a different company 
Now, it's really interesting. That city center gym is really busy from 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then it's done. Nobody hangs around in the city center. The, the, the central business district isn't an area that stays busy. So we're, we're not busy after that at all, really. Um, but the actual facility isn't to the same Atlantis Elico black going strength as it would be as the other facilities, purely from a, we, need, we needed to turn it around faster. But all our other centers are. What, what, what type of square meter is your, like your facilities? Like a 200 square meter, 1,000 square meter? What's the, the floor space that you guys are working in? This one here, this one here is five thousand square meters. This one here is massive. That I'm in mm-hmm. here. All the other ones are around two to five thousand. Right, right. I think if we do the, and then, I think there's a conversion on um basically what we use metric units to what your so so your your facilities are, are, are monstrous. Is, is that is that right? Like they're, they're quite large space. Yeah, yeah. It, this one is the biggest one. The rest of them, and then we have outdoor space. One of the city center is relatively small. I think that's two and a half thousand. Um, but th- that, that's the smallest one we have is in the city center, which is space is, is, is prime in, in the, in the city is center. That, but with the, the forty move. Is that square feet or square meters? Square foot in, in the city center. Oh, square square foot. foot. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's here. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like two, cause we go square meters, right? I thought that was the case. So it's about like 2000 square feet is about 200 square meters. They're, they're about. So yeah, I, I get you. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. F- fascinating stuff. Now you've done. A, a hell of a lot of work in functional medicine and something that um so basically it's interesting my wife's a naturopath and i was kind of going down the road of uh, you know functional medicine and, and looking at that and i had to make a decision do i continue to go down that road or do i just focus and double down on business my wife was getting into it or she was already into it and i was like well better use of my time is let's double down on business um you know the wife put all her energy resources and attention so she did a naturopathy um, so we've doubled down. So basically I just refer all my, you know, functional medicine stuff. We, my wife does it all through, through our studio. Um, so one of the things we're going to start implementing, you know, in, in hopefully sooner than later is the IVs. And you touched on it, um, just, just before about that's something that you do. What utility, uh, I suppose have you found IVs? Because I'm not sure if you've seen it. Obviously you probably have the liposomal delivery system. When you look at something like vitamin C. The, the studies show that liposomal is as effective uptake as, say, intravenous. Um, so it kind of makes the intravenous maybe a little bit redundant in terms of vitamin C. But at the same time, you have intravenous like glutathione, and there's obviously other things you can do with different amino acids. What, what utilities? How, how do you use the IVs? Is, is it is it something that you, you use for specific reasons, or is it just kind of like let's optimize? Yeah, so it all depends on, on, on the person. If somebody is getting chelation therapy or getting heavy metals taken out of their body, I would generally use it, use an IV for something like that, DMPS or DMSA, if someone's getting chelation therapy. If someone's, a lot of our guys travel a lot, we're located right beside the airport, we've got a lot of pilots and air hostesses as clients, so when they've done a lot of flying, they will have a hydration IV. When it comes to glutathione and, and vitamin C, the liposomal formation has been shown to be very effective from a, from a bioavailability and uptake standpoint. If guys have a heavy training camp, we would also use those to help them recover during the times. However, IV is now in the UFC and in a lot of MA organizations is banned now. The injection of any more than 50 milliliters of any fluid is prohibited. So that's not something that we do with those guys. But other executives that are looking for boost in energy, we might do a Myers cocktail. We might put some glutathione on. But these are boosters. This isn't a staple. They're not getting an IV once a week. 
they get an IV when they come back from the, the Hamptons or when they've done a lot of business in Hong Kong, they come back, they want a, a booster. So it, it, it's in conjunction with a comprehensive plan. But IVs on their own now, is, look, we used to use a lot of them in the past, but now we, we use them sporadically with executives that are, are flying a lot, people that are born out that need that little bit of a kick. But stuff like, as you said, liposomal uh, vitamin C, and glutathione are super effective. The only issue that I would say, and, and I talk to coaches all over the world on this, if, if we were sitting in a room now, Mark, with, with 50 coaches in it, and if we asked those 50 coaches how many of them are taking supplements, I'd be pretty confident that about 80% of the room will put their hand up and say, I'm taking supplements. If you were to ask those, those 50 trainers how many of those have had testing done to direct them towards those supplements, I would suggest maybe only 10% will put their hand up. People aren't testing. They're not doing their organic acids. They're not doing their blood chemistry. They're not doing any hormone analysis. But yet they spend quite a lot of money on supplements to modulate the hormones or to improve insulin sensitivity, where they don't even know what their insulin resistance score is. So for me, I think a lot of trainers will, will jump down the supplement route with not necessarily the, the personalized report that that person actually needs it. So we do we do as much testing as the client will, will need. But allergy testing, gut testing, hormone testing, blood chemistry, I think is phenomenal, by the way. It gives you a big window into what's going on. So we do much more blood testing to find out where someone's nutritional status is. We obviously do a dietary evaluation as well. And if we feel vitamin therapy is needed in their treatment plan, we will put it in. But if not, we'll just go with supplements and then the different formulations or, or delivery methods, as, as you mentioned. Yeah, a- amen, brother, amen. Like that, yeah, that you just said it so succinctly and, and so spot on. Um, and that's one thing, like definitely at Enterprise, we do is, you know, let's not guess. Let's do the sniper approach. Let's see what's happening. Let's get some blood chemistries going on. Let's send you to Christine, you know, and, and let's let's take the right supplements based on what the what the chemistry, what your numbers are saying. And that's exactly, you know, that it's and more coaches need to hear that. Um, absolutely, that, that, that's phenomenal. So. I imagine, though, offering the service of IVs to your execs and maybe some you know, bodybuilders and that who are coming in, it, it kind of seems as the magic bullet and people want to like you know, jump onto it and, and do it more and kind of over-prescribe. Do, do, is, it, is it quite popular that you offer that? It's quite popular that people jump on the IV route. Yeah. Is, is it a popular service that people want from you or not really? No, I would say that for me, the, my clinic clients, I'd say uh, maybe 20%, maybe a little bit less of the people that I see would get IVs on a regular basis unless they have a, they have a problem. If it's chelation therapy, they may get a bit more. Mm-hmm. If they've got something like Lyme disease, they may be getting it on a more regular basis. It's very specific. So if I can just, so I don't want to confuse the listeners. So in the clinic, so let, let's say, for example, the calorie model, okay? So we have this situation where people say, reduce your calorie, go into a calorie deficit, you lose weight. There's 80% of the people in the world that won't get results from that diet. They may have a thyroid problem, they might have a good issue, they might have a hormonal problem, whatever it may be, is, and they don't get results. 100% of the people I see are those 20%. All the people I see that come into me in the clinic have something going on. Low thyroid functions, Crohn's disease, you know, PCOS, whatever it may be. So when they come to see me, I'm trying to put together a treatment plan for them. So they're already at a high, they're already willing to do something that's going to help them. But IV vitamin therapy is something that I would use in conjunction with my physician if that's what they need. But it's not always to be all and end all. I'd rather somebody, you could spend a lot of money on that. So I could get a really good comprehensive plan for somebody for three months with supplements rather than them getting two or three IV treatments. So you have to look at the cost and, and if someone's going to, 
if someone's going to get an IV and then go off drinking the weekend, mm. that's not a you know good approach. Yeah. So I try to make it very personalized. And that's one thing we focus a lot on is a personalized performance plan. Every athlete, every client I have, when they come to see me, they're getting a personalized performance plan. And that plan could be for a fighter. That could be for a track athlete. That could be for an executive looking to manage their work-life balance, which is no such thing as work-life balance. It's a load of horse shit. It's work-life integration. You don't have, oh, I've 10 hours of work, I'm going to clock off and go home. As a businessman yourself, you know you're, you're, the lines are blurred. But when you're in one place, you need to be in the one place. So what our executives, if we make them perform better, have more cognitive function, you know, their resilience is better, they get over jet lag, they're sleeping better. Everything they do, do during the daytime is better. So we put together a very comprehensive plan with training, with nutrition, with supplements, with IVs, if that's what they need. Or maybe be flow therapy or sauna therapy or massage or ART or chiropractic. But every time they get up in the daytime, they have a whole system. The routine in the morning, what they should eat if I have to get food delivered to them. Sometimes when people come to me, I see their biggest issue is just pure, uh, poor meal prep. So I'll hire a company to put together a plan for them for a month. And then as that comes off, we wean it away. We only have them a month for breakfast. And then maybe it's only a month for dinner. So we're building a plan all the time. We call it the, the health sat-nav. That we're going in one direction. One, we know where we are. Two, we know where the destination is. But it's never a straight line, as you know. So as we move along, if we make a wrong turn, we do a performance review, we change the plans, and we move forward. But in my opinion, if I can use the, the sat-nav as an, an analogy, when most coaches see a client, the person that's always driving the car is exercise. And as a coach and as a gym owner, that's good for us. But if I was to say to you, what's the average amount of times your clients train with you in the gym? I wouldn't say five is a, is a normal time. I wouldn't say you'd have someone training with you five times a week. I've got two clients that train five times a week. But the majority of coaches don't. So if you train five times a week, that only represents 2.9% of the week. So exercise can't always be the person driving the car. Sometimes it has to be nutrition. Sometimes it has to be lifestyle. Sometimes there may be something additional, maybe a lab test. But always focusing on, on exercise to get people towards a health journey is going to end in some sort of damage, wear and tear. And that's okay when you're 25 and, you, you know, you've no kids, you, you're not uh, operating a big business or you've got a lot of meetings or traveling. So for me, our personalized plan has exercise as a core part but it's not always a driving force. It, it's a component, but it's it, it, it's a whole blended approach. Yeah. Good good analogy. Love it. Love it. On on, on the point about um, meal prep, I'm going to say this story. We had a client who, who came to see us. You know, quite quite a wealthy guy, very very successful guy, um, but didn't own a fridge or a stove. And um, when asked, you know, how are you going to pay for, he's like, Nah, I, I, I don't I don't want food in my house. <laughs> Basically, nah. So. We um we called a meal prep company and uh, that's the the most extreme example we've had is like I just don't I just don't do meal like I don't prepare my food I don't buy food I I, I have to get it all out so I mean he, he lost I think something like twenty twenty six kilos like phenomenal results yeah. but um to to your point you know it is all about entering into the clients' worlds and and seeing what is the, what is the linchpin that's kind of what I I look for is what is the linchpin you know what's that Jenga block if I just pull this one block from this massive stack of tower that's going to have the the most uh, effects on, on you know tipping tipping the balance so to speak and as you've had eloquently yeah. put you know it's usually not training more it, it's it's focusing on the lifestyle you know drinking less 
balancing out your meal times or or actually sitting down with a client saying, when are you able to eat? When can you plan your meals? Can you eat breakfast? Can you go for a walk? And if the answer is no, instead of trying to you know beat them over their head with a club, trying to get them to do something that just doesn't fit into their model of reality, talking to them and entering in, into their world and, and getting it to work so it can be part of their routine and habitual process. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. Um, question on the, the flotation tanks is something I'm a big fan of. And I know that you, you, you know, oh, you yeah. metrics and things that you look at. What value have you found? I don't know if this is something you personally do, you know, once a week or once every month or whatever it is. Uh, and with clients, what, what have you found the greatest benefit of, of flotation tanks? Okay. So, so this is the thing. So I, I have this, a root band. I also oh, yeah. use an omega way to, to assess recovery. Omega way gives you much more stats uh, from a central nervous system recovery point of view. So it's very hard. To, uh, sorry. Just, just on that, you've seen the aura rings. Do you like the aura rings or you, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're a whip fan more than the aura rings? No, no, not particularly, not particularly. Uh, um, the aura ring, I actually did a presentation uh, back in 2016 on the O-ring. I, I do like it. I think it's very effective. I don't think it's good for exercise. I think it's good for day-to-day monitoring and it's good for sleep. But for, for tracking exercise, I, I don't think it's as effective as, as, a, as a heart rate monitor across the chest would be. And that's been proven. But from a functional medicine point of view, they are linked with a lot of functional medicine physicians. Actually, I spoke to a girl in, in Australia and that's what they're doing. They're trying to link lab tests and the O-ring together. And um, the O-ring is very, is, is very good. The whoop band, the reason why I have a whoop band is I have clients that are also in it. So we share, you know, they see my sleep, I see their sleep, and I give them feedback on it. So it's a little tracking device or coaching device at the same time. But I have an O-ring as well, and I just I sporadically will go between different ones to, to track it. The Omega Wave is very unique as well. The benefit is, unfortunately, sorry, the benefit, the challenge is when someone gets into a float tank, some people are very good at meditation. And years ago, when I started sort of, sort of meditate, I'm like a big gym monkey. I'm sitting there and there's crazy things going through your head. And I, I, I wasn't very really good at it. But I think it, it's called a practice for a reason. You get better at it or you get some sort of, you know, mindfulness from it. You get a bit of escapism, whatever it may be. But the flow tanks, it's different for different people. So for maybe for me, when I get in, if I've had a heavy week of training, it's very physically restorative. Well, maybe some weeks that I got in and I've had a tough week with, with, with business or whatever it is, from a mental point of view, it, it, it helps me center myself. So it's very unique, the benefits. However, the deprivation, the blackout, the float, the actually floating, the Epsom salts, so the multitude of things that it helps. But for people that can't quiet in their mind, that can't switch off, I find those people are not the, you get the best from it. So I think you have to be some way able to switch off a little bit to get the full benefit from it. Other, if you're not going to switch off a little bit, I think you're going to be in a situation where you may just be like floating in, in a bath. You're not going to get the full, deep mental and physical restoration. You get the physical restoration, but not the mental component. Right. Um, do you notice, so you do that like once a week? So actually last week, last week my manager for his facility was away. I did four in a row. That's the first time I ever did four in a row um, because I was in the clinic, I had walked on and I scheduled myself to do it. And after the first one, the, the next three I did, I fell asleep in, in deep, deep sleep. And that's when I felt I got really good restorative from it. But normally I would do one every two. If I was honest, one every two weeks is probably what I do. Last week was an exception because we're locked down. We're not doing anything. I was out in the clinic. I said, I'll do it anyway. So when I did four say, in a week. When you say four in a row, you mean like one every day for four days? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And half hour, hour. How, how long do you float for? Yeah, so this is the this is the funny thing. So there's a system that you can generally wake you up. It's supposed to be 45 to an hour. It's what it normally should be done. But the first time I went in, I set my alarm, and my alarm actually woke me up and stimulated me too much. So the other other three I did, the first one was an hour. The other three I did were over two hours. Oh really? I felt. And I actually got out. I mean, no way. I woke up as what's going on, but it was ah. And the feeling you get from it, since and how I slept that night, my my headspace is much better. Yeah. And then you can see this in your HRV as well. Yeah. So you can see it the next day. So I think, but if I was to ask you, and, and I do this to all my clients, I ask people, what do you do to recover? What do you do to enhance your recovery? And what they say is, oh, I take a day off. No, my friend, taking a day off isn't recovery. Uh, watch television. Watching television isn't recovery. Putting a pair of Normatex on, getting into a sauna, getting a massage, doing a flow, doing an IV. You have to do something to enhance your recovery. Doing nothing is not a recovery intervention. Doing nothing is doing nothing. So people have to actively, and I, I see people's weeks, and, and that's what we do when we, we have a client. We plan out the whole week. And then what are you going to do for restoration? And that could be a walk. I actually had the pleasure. My uncle lives in Melbourne. He lives in Richmond. Right in front of the MCG. Oh, really? That's so, where we are. Right in Richmond. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's on no way. Small, <laughs> small, small, small world. Yeah, he yeah. lives right in front of the MCG. So it's funny. I, I did a course in, uh, I'm going to say Cronulla. I don't know if that's correct. Um, TACP yeah. 1, 2 and yeah. BioSig. Uh, uh, Bio and then I flew down to see him. How many stadiums have you got? I walked from Richmond down to the city and there's like Olympic stadiums all over the place. Like, what are you doing? Are you building well, up for four? No, nah, what, what happens in Melbourne, Melbourne is the most organized city probably in the world. That's why it won most of the city in a couple of years in a row. So if you look at the, the layout geographically of Melbourne, it's all on a grid. So it's, it's almost impossible to get lost in Melbourne. So when they decided to put their stadiums, they put all their stadiums literally next to each other. So you've got like Amy Park, you've got the MCG, you've got whatever the tennis one is, a lot, lot of broad labor arena or whatever it is uh, i think that's changed now someone's gonna correct me on that one but all, all the stadiums in melbourne are literally like side by side um so it's just I, I think what melbourne's done really well is they've laid out the city design um so you know if you're going to go to a stadium they're all in the same kind of uh yeah place yeah 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 it's lovely. It really is nice. So when we plan out the whole week for people, walking, sometimes I'm not a huge fan of necessarily going walking. For me, walking is an exercise. It's activity. And it can help people get recovery if they've done enough training during the week. But there has to be an actively stimulating recovery intervention put in place on a weekly basis. Having a night on the drink, going out partying is, is off from training, but it's deleterious to health. It hampers down recovery. So for me, Flotation therapy is very effective. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, what 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 tank are you guys using? Uh, an iFoss, I think it's called, or a, a Dream Pod. What what what's the, the the tank of choice for you guys? You know what? The the, the the one across here, they came from China. I'm not quite sure the name name of that one. One of the city center is. I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna say Dream Pod. Or dream so, something dream. I don't know the name of them. Yeah. yeah, dream pod. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at getting one in, in the near future. I, I think they're great. And as you said, I, I really do think recovery needs to be something that you actually you focus on. As you said, it can't just be you know do, doing nothing because doing nothing is, is exactly that. Um, Owen, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you this evening. Um, I've got a bunch of Wolfpackers on the line as part of the Wolfpack program. 
And I know a couple of them w- would love the, the opportunity to, to ask you a question. Um, so would it be okay if I open up the lines and, and bring some fresh questions no. on? So no, no problem, no problem. Folks, chuck your, uh, chuck your webcam on. Let's do the obligatory Facebook, uh, it's not Facebook, Instagram photo. Whack on your webcam, James, George, Michael. Let's get this cranking. Take yourself a photo. Let's go. Uh, you can give a cheeky flex if you like. Georgie, where are you, mate? Three. There he is. He's coming on. Three, two, one. Click. Good. All right. I'll tag you guys in a sec. Um, all right. Who wants to kick us off with uh, with one of the questions? Michael, we'll go in order. Hey. Go ahead, Michael. Mark, how are you? Yeah, very good. No, no, just had a, a, I just had a question and um, just coming up with your background, like initially, how did you start, mate? Did you... Like uh, you started off with physio first and stuff, and how did you create, from your perspective, the opportunities to to work with the types of clients you do and that? What 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 do you uh, pit that down to? So the type of clientele, as in the as an athlete or as an executive? Well, both they both kind of high end performing athletes and and people that value, say, your expect expertise at that level. Um, so with the opportunities, like you've done a lot of stuff. And would you would you say it's just that constant, like you're chasing excellence, just constantly, like you've done functional medicine, you're always looking, and it sounds like you're always trying to package a whole performance and a whole holistic performance. Is that what you credit it? Like from the start, it's just your pursuit of looking where you can make humans basically better? So one of the things that I learned, I worked with this guy called Andrew McNulty. He was a psychologist. And he, <clears throat> he brought me in to train this billionaire, Ireland's richest man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I did a training session with with the guy, and at the end of the session, ended the psychologist said to me, "Oh, was that a was that an excellent session?" I said, "No, it was a good session." He says, "Was it an excellent session?" I says, "Well, no." He says, "Well, how could it be more excellent?" And I listed down some things that I could do to make it more excellent. If you look at the type of clientele you want, whether are millionaires or billionaires, they they all have a certain we want to call a group, a restaurant they go to, a tennis club they go to, a golf club they go to. And if you can get in with one of those guys and showcase your level of excellence, your level of detail that you can provide to these guys. And if you get these guys to lose weight, to sleep better, to have better brain function, they'll refer everybody to you. So, to, and, and what he said to me was, he said, you need to get in front of the people that value what you have to say the most. So you as a person trainer, as a strength coach, what are you going to offer them? And this is the thing. <clears throat> One of the things I did for this, this billionaire guy, he, as Mark says, he doesn't eat at home. He eats out every single day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he eats out. So what I did was I contacted his PA, and she listed down all the top places he goes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I had one hell of a week. I went to every single one of these restaurants, and I got a copy of the menu, and I listed down every single thing that he should have if he goes to these places. So when he turns up, he says, oh, here's Owen's message. I can have this for breakfast. When he's on his plane, his private plane, I have a, I have spoke to his chef and I've listed down what food he can and can't have. Go above. As they say, the extra mile is never busy. So if you over-deliver to your clients, they're like, man, I, why didn't I know Michael before now? I, I need him. I want him. To, and if I'm training in another country, he know he sends a program to that coach. He talks to my massage therapist before I get my treatment. So if you go above and beyond and these people value what you have to offer, it will just grow. It will just grow. And all these guys are friends. All these guys and girls are friends. So if you do an excellent job and you're always looking to step up to the next level, you'll get busy. You really will. The fact that you're already in this network with Mark and with the rest of the guys showcases your, your resilience to be better, to step it up. And it's just a matter of 
stepping back. What did he do this week? What could I do better? Or you have this diary. It's called the, the full focus planner. I don't know if you've seen it before. But what it is, yeah. every day, every week is planned out. So your objectives, your learning objectives from a business point of view, from a training point of view, from a staffing point of view. But just be honest. Look for excellence. Grow your business. Align yourself with people that are supportive, both to the right and to the left of you. But get in front of the people that value what you have to say. And I've seen a lot of coaches in this industry, and they have energy vampire clients. You know those guys and girls you train, you go, oh, shit, I have to train her now. She drains me. We all have those clients. Get away from them. Get clients that when they see you, okay, you might go, what's today's session like? They're up and going. When they go to business meeting, they're focused on their P&L, their, their profit. When you, when you give them your insight, you're enhancing their life. And then what I would do is once you do that, like, like these business guys and girls, you can learn so much from them. And then once you get into their group, you're the go-to guy. You're my fitness guy. You're my nutrition guy. And that, that's how you make a business. You, you be that person that they can't do without. Yeah. Yep. So position yourself and over deliver basically there, like summering it up. And two, with that, with that diary you just had before, just what, what's the, uh, four, I've never heard of it. The, um, we just say it was a four. Full, full focus planner. Yep. And what, what, what's the ideology behind that? So it's very straightforward. So it's basically just a diary that keeps you in the schedule. So your morning routine, your start of workday routine, your end of workday routine and your end of day routine then your perfect week. So if I was to say to you, what would your perfect week look like? Have you ever even wrote that down? Like, So how many clients I see, how much money I earn, how many, how much I'm with the kids, how many, I went out on a date night, I had my time to see my mom and dad, or I, I went to a restaurant. The whole week is planned out. And when you have the whole week planned out, it can go to plan or can't go to plan. Then you can review at the end of the week. But for me, it keeps me accountable, the big rock. I get my big rock doing every single day. I see the clients that I need to do. I'm moving forward. So many people, and there's a great book by Neapolitan, Neapolitan Hill. It's called Interviewing the Devil. And what he says is the biggest thing that causes people not to be successful is drifting. They let life happen to them. You know, so you, the decisions you make every single day will move you forward. So for me, it's about taking action of your own life, of your own business, of the people you associate with, your thoughts, your study, and, and, and moving forward. And for me, it just, I, I like writing stuff down. I like to be away from the phone, like away from the computer. I write stuff down and then review it every week. What worked well? Chatting to Mark was good. I helped some people out. They can go off and maybe implement it in their business and not make their mistakes. And one of the things, I've made a lot of financial mistakes in my life where I invested in the equipment and gyms that I probably should have been better from. But the most precious thing you have is time. Don't waste your time on stuff. Fail, fail fast, as they say. If something isn't working, Try to modify it, work on it, but if it's not for you, move on. You know, so it's you know moving forward all the time. Yeah, no, no problem. That sounds good. Now that that's all the questions I had, mate. I really appreciate your your time and yourself, Mark, for organising this. Fantastic. No problem. Michael, Thanks, Thank Michael. All righty, George, you're up, mate. What you got for us? Any questions? I'm just trying to take it all in. This has been awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, I guess I did have something. Um, when you do meet with an athlete or even just a general client, what is like one of the first things you're kind of looking at to get this person the best results possible and the best experience possible? So, so for me, when you meet an athlete, it, it's, it, it's vitally important that you're not a fan, that you're there as a consultant. And as a consultant, 
I always list down what I want the, the, the process of the consultation to look like from their point of view. So I know this might sound silly, but the setup of the room, the water in the room, the, the whiteboard that you might be using, your assessment tools, you want it like a Michelin star. You want a five-star treatment. So when someone comes in, realize that most coaches or, or, or consultants that they've seen might have assessed them on a gym floor or might have talked to them in a small office. So you set the stage for success. Your clothes, the people in the room, the water, and, and what the learning objectives are going to be. So when this athlete leaves the consultation with you, what's their experience going to be? And for me, it's always like you're trying to give them something that they haven't been given before, but you can't overwhelm them. So let them talk. You know, Ask open-ended questions. How's their career going? Where do, you, do they feel? So, for example, if I was to say to you now, we call it the two functional medicine questions. What could you do right now to take away from your life that would make you healthier? And if you thought through your life, maybe it's smoking too much weed. I don't know. I'm not going to ask you. Maybe it's drinking too much. I don't know, right? But you know your life better than me. So when an athlete comes into me, I'd say, okay, so what are you doing well? What are you doing in your, in your life that's really helping your performance? Well, I train here and here and I take this supplement. But what aren't you doing? Well, what should you take away? And then they start to open up because these athletes have been just told what to do all the time. And particularly for me in rugby and in Gaelic, and I'm sure maybe with Aussie rules, when you're a coach to a team, you don't have that one-to-one time. So use this one-to-one time to investigate where, and as, as Mark said, his Jenga, his table, if you take one piece out, we call it the lowest hanging fruit. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe it's marital problems. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Has somebody given this athlete the name of a therapist? Has someone given this guy, you know, a massage once a week or sauna therapy or nutrition or whatever it may be? So for me, it's about setting it up for a professional uh, consultation, quizzing and interviewing the client and letting them speak and then building a plan for them. And once you do something like that, like, for example, when I when I turned up, my client texts me and says, oh, well, I just got this off uh, Amanda, who was the PA of all the restaurants that you did. He just said, excellent. He just, his message was, Excellent. And I've lived really much off him referring people to me all the time. If you do an outstanding job with a client, you're their go-to guy, you know, but over-deliver. Always see what else. What else can they do? What else can they do? You know? George, just unmute yourself if you, if you want to uh, follow up. Yeah. No, that, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's let me challenge you there, George, right? The last consultation you did with an athlete. Yeah? Think about it. Was it good? Give me a percentage. What was it? Oh, with, with a real... I haven't really had one with a proper athlete, to be honest with you. Like, with right, someone so, I'd really consider an athlete. But what I would do is I would role play. I would I would meet up with the first time you do this. It's like sex. You know what I mean? the first time you do is I would be some supermodel. You, you want it to be... You want to practice that beforehand. So what to do is role play that, set it up. But the first time you do this, don't have it to be with a professional athlete. Professional athlete walks in and you're there and this isn't your first time doing it. You need to build a platform of success. So trial that out beforehand. Get, get proficient at it. But don't be the first time get in front of these guys. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Work with clients. Maybe volunteer to deal with some athletes to help them out and use that as a, as a building block for them. Don't have it the first time be on the main stage. Rehearsals are for a reason. Mm. Very, very, very good advice yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Actually, what, what I say to, yeah. say to my guys is you, you always you always fall to your level of training, you know, and, and like you said, you know, if you're doing, let's say, a bio-sig, 
and you've got, you know, the superstar athlete in the room, you might be shit nervous. But if you've done this 10,000 times, which you've probably done it, if you, you know, if you've coached uh, for a couple, you know, for many years, then you don't sweat it. Like you might be, you know, sweating the client. This is a high profile you've got to deliver, but you don't treat them any different than you would, you know, anyone else. And you, you, you kick into that level of training and you've got it. You know, you've got it every day of the week. You've yeah. got it. So that's, that's yeah, great advice. Right. Thank, thank you, George. Great question. Yeah, no problem, George. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's, let's, you. let's move to Hua. How you doing tonight, Hua? Hi, Mark. Hi, Owen. Um, How are we doing? Yes. Good, thank you. My question is, um, I have a couple of athletes, um, but like oh, the, what I found with, especially in Australia, I feel like um, the, often I would have times where I can't train them. They'll be with their programs with uh, um, AIS or, or whatever. So I get like Two weeks here, a month off, three weeks here. How, how, it's very hard to periodize for them and like stay consistent. And if, especially if they get sick or whatever during the time, limited time that I do have, um, have you got any tips around kind of maximizing that? Yeah. So that's one of the things. The AIS is the Australian Institute of Sport. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what, what I would do is there is, and I, and I don't mean to insult people, but Fuck periodization. Everyone thinks that making these six month and 12 month plans, it never works out. It never works out. People get injured, they have their period, they have surgery, they, they get sick, they, all these things happen. So for me, every athlete will have an A, B, and C program in, in a block of training. An A program is you got this, you're feeling good, you're sharp, you're strong, let's smash it. The B program is, ooh, did a bit too much track work, did too much resting, did too much sparring. I'll do the B program, which is lower in volume, but there is some key stimulatory volume in there. And the C program is in a bit of stretching, a bit of mobility, a bit of restoration. And they have the ability to assess that. So they have an A, B, and C program through the whole block. Next thing that they have to do is, if you don't see them, there needs to be some accountability. So when they do their training or they, they have their loop band or aura ring, they need to check in with you on a regular basis of how well they're recovering. And then you can do some real-life coaching on the spot. So if you don't see them for three or four weeks, they still need to report to you at the end of every session that they did. And then maybe they send you a screenshot of their heart rate and then maybe send you a screenshot of your HRV. Uh, hey, coach, did program A feeling really good? Here's a review. And then you, all you say to them is every Sunday or every Saturday morning, you'll give them a review. A bit of an audio, great session this week. Volume is a bit high. Your, heart, your HRV is low. Let's bring the volume down and go AABBC next week. Great job. See you when you get back. So it's that contact that you have with them that you're still involved in the coaching process. You're making it specific to them. But just giving someone a program and saying, I'll see you in three weeks, it doesn't get you involved in the journey. Because as I said, the health sat nav, you're never going to go in a straight line. But if someone's gone off track and they're burning out, we want to make a, 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 a detour or a rerouting as fast as possible with that, with that athlete. And they'll, they'll love that because they won't get that in the, in the AIS because there's so many athletes there. They're not getting that one-to-one -one attention. But if you have their HRV, you have their, their volume, and you have the screenshot of the workouts, that's when you're making real-life coaching uh, corrections while they're in it. Phenomenal. There's a company, in, I'm not promoting a company in Ireland, but what I'm saying, there's a company in Ireland called Kitman Labs. And Kitman Labs, they make this program where they take all the data in together. So maybe look them up, 
they have a few different things that they use to collect coaching stats to make real life coaching decisions, GPS, heart rate, and so on. But if you could link in with somebody in, in that area, or maybe just find out what they're using from a GPS or from a HRV or whatever it is, so you can have be, be more familiar with what's going on from that point of view. Yeah, yeah that's good advice. Thank you, Juan. No problem at all. Fantastic. Thanks, Juan, for the question. And uh, James, uh, go ahead. One of our master coaches, diamond level coaches at Enterprise. Go ahead, James, ask the question. Hey, how are you doing? James Kelly, where are you from? Liverpool. Liverpool. Oh, that's an Irish enough name. Close enough. Everyone thinks he's <laughs> Irish anyway, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Liverpool and Irish, we let it go. We let it go for the Liverpoolians. Yeah. Cool. Same, same. <laughs> um, my question um, is around athletes and one of the one of the most challenging sports I find to, to coach with and program for is triathletes. Um, so obviously they've got they've got their coaches that coach their their disciplines in their own right. So obviously the running, the swimming, the cycle, um, and then the biggest challenge I suppose I find is the amount of volume those guys are doing. Like the guy I've got at the minute, he's doing, he's literally training seven days a week. He's doing three to four hours of training every day. Um, so then trying to, trying to find the right things he needs to do and the right intensity and volume to give him from his, from his training perspective when he's in the gym, um, sometimes can be a challenge. And I totally agree with what you said there in terms of having like that ABC program. Um, Whereas I find with triathletes and especially him in particular, it's literally a case of seeing how he comes in on the day, seeing what he's done previously, seeing what he's got coming up for the week because his schedule is always changing. It's never quite the same. Um, so yeah, I wanted to pick your brains and see if you had any, any insights or any thoughts as to how to program and kind of plan for that better. Right. So, so triathletes are, are, are a, whole different athlete altogether and I've had a lot of experience with them so they say that it's a four discipline sport biking swimming running and recovery so recovery has to be the key component so what you do is from an from let's talk from an SNC point of view so from an SNC point of view the more relative strength that this guy has the higher percentage that he has the better his endurance is going to be so for me when I'm conditioning athletes like, like that I work on relative strength. The second thing I work on is offsetting movement patterns. So swimming, running and biking all cause a, a, a postural and a muscular uh, imbalance in the body. So when you're training them, it's very important to go from programs of relative strength to programs of corrective balance in the major joints. So vascular medialis, glute meds, tibialis and so on and core strength. So we, we're working from that component. The next thing is these guys, the, the carb intake is through the fucking roof for the majority of these guys. So when you uh, consume carbohydrates, you need magnesium. Magnesium is essential for the, for the utilization of carbohydrates. Every time you sweat, you lose magnesium. So when I assess these guys, magnesium is always low. Vitamin D is always low. That may not be an issue in Australia, but I, I need to assess that. Next thing I look at is carnitine is low. So doing a blood chemistry on this guy will ascertain where his electrolytes are, where his recovery is. Then we need to track his HRV in some way to see how he's managing his volume. 
So every time we a muscle contracts, we use calcium. Every time a muscle relaxes, we need magnesium. So magnesium is really common for a deficiency in, in any sort of uh, high aerobic capacity movement. So relative strength, corrective offsetting of what we call a sport-induced muscular imbalance, particularly knees, particularly lower back, particularly ankles, and shoulders may be an issue if he's swimming, if his stroke is okay. So offset injuries, maximize imbalance both muscularly and, and, and uh, nutritionally from what he's doing. But it's all about recovery. And he knows some days he gets on the bike or gets onto the road and he flies. Another days he's dragging his ass. It's not good enough just to say, I don't know why. I need, we, need to, we need to peak the volume. The volume and intensity. For these guys, the volume is super high. The intensity isn't necessarily there. But the better you make him recover, the better you make him sleep, everything will improve. Also, testosterone. We have a big thing in Ireland where a lot of guys will cycle. Your testes, I don't, go, I don't want to go off on the market. I apologize. But your testes are outside your body for a reason. They need to be at a, at a cooler temperature in order to make spermicides and testosterone. When you're in a cycling short and you're rammed up in a cycling short and you're sitting down like this, that's not an advantageous position for your testes to be in. They often you make testosterone. So for me, a lot of these guys, they'll actually, their testosterone goes down. They eat so much carbs because of their volume. Sex hormone bonding globulin goes up, which even brings testosterone down even further. So for me, the training, you're going to, Train him to keep him injury free, but you're going to help him with his recovery so he doesn't dig a, a, dig a bigger hole from his, from his triathlon training and then nail him on his nutrition. Like his nutrition should be his fourth discipline. That's what I say to him. You can spike, you can swim, you can cycle, but we need to sleep, you need to recover, you need your floats, the massages, or whatever it is. Um, but th- that to me is going to be the key thing for you, James. And triathletes are, are tough to deal with anyway. How many times a week do you see him? Uh, twice a week at the minute. Well, that's not too bad. What do you do for a living? He owns a landscape garden company. Yeah, of course he does. He loves the money. That's where he can go off, cycle for the whole week, you know. Um, yeah. It tends to be very successful. That's what they have the time to do that. Um, but, yeah, so what I would do is get his blood chemistry, get his nutrition dialed in, get his recovery dialed in, and then you can play around with the, the, the training of the gym. But the training of the gym, believe it or not, it, it, it takes away from the body. So we want to make sure that we're not doing too much with them. We're keeping them mobile. We're keeping them flexible. We're keeping the joints compromised. Even doing some stretching with them, some PNF stretching with them, doing some ART or, or fascia stretch therapy will be beneficial for them, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's, that's pretty much, that's now what I've been doing with them. Like, I've been giving them pretty much one relative strength session a week and then before his weekend, which is kind of where it goes three, four hour cycles off the bike straight into a run. Um, we're just doing more, like you said, more structural stuff that's making sure his hips and his shoulders are as healthy as they can be so we can get through those sessions without pulling up, pulling up super sore. Um, just a, a question on that as well. Um, have you ever found that a challenge working in that instance where you've got another coach who's focusing on the other aspect of the, um, the athlete's sport where they kind of got that preconceived idea that oh, he needs to he needs to hit all these things for the week, otherwise he's not he's not getting to where he needs to be, he's not improving at the rate he needs to improve at. And yeah. like how do you how do you work with them to manage that? Like you said, I I understand the importance of the recovery and the nutrition side, but those guys who set like the this triathlon training, they don't necessarily understand that, that value as much as yeah. let's say we we do. 
Yeah, no, I, I get that this all the time, all the time, and particularly when it comes to guys that have maybe competing in cycling or triathlons themselves, they feel they need to take the same method and the, these athletes need to hit the same markers to get the same benefit. And that's the difference between a technical coach and an actual, you know, a ho- more of a holistic or, or performance coach. So what I say to the guys is, I, I generally use my phone as an example. This guy is pushing your athlete or your shared athlete to hit markers of of on the bike, on, in, in the pool or whatever it may be to hit those markers. I ask him, what mobile phone have you, has he got? Is it a new mobile phone? So what happens is they move with the times. They buy a new phone, they buy a new car, but they're still following archaic, out-of-date programs. If all you have is a hammer, everything is a nail. If all he knows is triathlon training, things have evolved from now. There's more tech on the bikes now than ever before. Heart rate training, and this is the thing. If you say to him, look, why don't we trial these? Every athlete is different. But if you have a benchmark or a barometer of assessing his recovery, well, then you should say to him, well, don't, don't you know, be negative to him. Say, I oh, understand the volume you're placing on him and what, what markers you're looking for. But if we enhance his recovery, he can do this. Every person is different. So let's try and just you know, change the volume a little bit to see if we can get to these markers. But we need to move with the times. And unfortunately, particularly in boxing, I get a lot of boxing coaches, they're sparring hard all the time. A lot of guys that do a lot of cross-country running, it's a huge amount of volume. People aren't able to, to sustain the same volume as they may have done before. So taking consideration that he's his own landscape gardening company, he's got his own stresses going on. So work on building a better athlete so he can perform the, the sport. But wearing him into the ground is going to only get like the two things that will always hamper performance is injury and illness. And this guy may not be able to sustain the same level of training that his, his, his technical coach is asking him to do. Definitely work on technique, definitely work on swim technique and so on, but the volume has to be just back away. See if he's open to backing away or see if he's open to monitoring how well his HRV is for a month with his current volume and then say, well, would you give me a month to, to modulate his volume to see if it's changed his HRV and then we do a test or a trial test at the end of it or something like that. Might get him on board. But it is a challenge, James. We appreciate that. But, the, you know, work with him slowly. He might be a bit resistant to that. P- people tend to be quite resistant to that. But see, see what you can do. Yeah. Too easy. Beautiful. Cheers, Matt. Appreciate it. No problem. Happy, happy to help. Phenomenal. Phenomenal advice, Owen. Um, just if I may, just squeeze one more question in on heart rate variability because it sounds like you, you know a lot on this topic. One of the things that I find with heart rate variability, obviously, like using the aura ring, the whoop ring, the other one that you mentioned, the Amiga wave. Amiga wave, is that, am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, with, with these... Uh, oh, Omega, like, like Omega trees, Omega wave, yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with, with heart rate variability, what, what do you look for? Because it is quite individualized. You know, with the aura ring, they talk about how, you know, you need that week to kind of uh, get a set point of, of what's happening with the heart rate to actually indicate, like, are you looking at a certain range or are you just looking at someone of, of what they've done in that week? Like, are you looking at specific numbers or is it rel- always relative to the client? It's always relative to the client. The one thing I would say about the HRV, I tend not to let my athletes see the HRV. I, I just get it. So I don't want them assessing it. If you wake up and you're red, guess what you're going to think? Oh, I had a shit night's sleep. I'm stressed out. It might be just you had a nightmare. You were thinking about your accounts or whatever it may be. I'm looking for trends. And then what I do is I take the trend and I match it to the training diary. So 
based on the volume that they did, based on their HRV and, and the trend during the week is what I look for. The same thing will come to nutrition from an enzy- enzymatic point of view, from a me- metabolic point of view, and a hormonal point of view. No diet can be shown to be effective unless you do it for at least t- 10 to 14 days. So tr- I'm looking for the trend of how well that person uh, responds to the volume. And I'm, I might change the caloric intake, I might change the carb intake, I might change the volume based off the HRV. But it, it has to be a consultation. I don't just see a number and then say, this is what we're doing. I have to you know, investigate around the area, which is, is what real-life coaching is. And that's when the person gets invested in, in the process with you. When they do their sauna or do their float tank and all of a sudden they see their HRV improve and the next week they feel great. It's about, you know, as Jerry Seinfeld says, never break, break the chain. We're linking great days together. So every single day they put a great day together, they have better weeks, better months, better years, and also it's all together. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Owen. Where where can people, you know, give yourself a plug? Where can people learn from you? What do you want to talk about? Where where can people go to to really get involved in the in, in what you've been doing? Well, initially, I, I, I love teaching live seminars. That's my passion. That's what I've always done. But because of what's going on now. I put a lot of stuff online. I turned 40 uh, at the end of last year, and I joined social media. I know a 40-year-old joining social media. There's a lot of shit in that social media, let me tell you that for the start. Mm. But uh, I have a, a, an Instagram page. It's OnlyAC uh, Education. You can check that out. And then I have a website, OnlyACEducation.com, which is loads of courses on sleep, on nutrition, on corrective exercise, loads of, loads of unique stuff. One thing I would say is, Mark, and, 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 all the guys on board now, you learn as you go. We've all learned as you go. So sometimes it's great to be able to learn from someone that's made a lot of mistakes in that area or just to come at things from a different point of view. I see a lot of coaches saying, this is how you should run your business. This is how you write your program. No, bullshit. You write your program to suit your client. You write your program to suit your business. You write your programs to suit the facility that you're in and the area that you're in. So for me, my, my courses are all about empowering coaches to understand the science and giving them templates that are modifiable to do anything you want. So I have a course on strongman training. I don't train any strongman anymore, but I do train a lot of teams using strongman training, sleds and ropes and so on, um, and, and uh, uh, prowlers. So the fact is, the information is there. Hopefully it's usable. That's one thing I pride myself on. Any information I give out, it's usable for clients the next day in their business. So if you want to check it out, please do jump on board. And if there's something that you guys, if something comes up in, in, in turn that you have a question, just shoot me a message on Instagram. I have this client or I have this or I got this blood test and I'll either direct you towards someone that I know because I've loved to go to guys. I have a go to guy in hormones and blood chemistry and osteopathy and IV. So you need to build a network of professionals that you can lean on like you're all doing now at the moment, but particularly maybe in business, particularly maybe in marketing, whatever it may be, but build a network of people that are helping you push you forward. Fantastic, Owen. Thank you very much for your time. I feel like we're going to do this again. Maybe we'll give the uh, old Instagram live a crack at some point in the future and uh, do it on there. But um, yeah, thank, thanks for your time tonight, Owen. I, I very, very much enjoyed this conversation. I knew I would. I didn't actually prepare too much because I knew I would just sit down and talk to you and I'd already have, you know, 100 questions ready to go. So thank you, sir. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Uh, final thoughts? Final thoughts from me? Yeah. Yeah, only thing I say is, is and one thing uh, when I talk to coaches, particularly young coaches, is they have, they're very goal-orientated. And what I would say is enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. In, enjoy training your clients 
Align yourself with people that you respect and you can enjoy your journey together. Learn as much as you can. And the people that are out there that, that are not are closed-minded, that are not willing, don't get involved in them. Focus on yourself. Look after your, your family, your business. Align yourself with positive people and enjoy it. This is a great job. It's great crack. You know, it's great fun. That's why we're in this job. But sometimes people, the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. It's okay to have a bit of fun. It's okay to have a bit of crack. Awesome. All right. What a, what a great message. All right, guys. I hope you all enjoyed this. Uh, as always, want you all to train hard, eat well, and supplement smart. Until next time, folks, we'll, uh, we'll do it all again. All right. Bye. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers. Yeah, Bye-bye. Hey, hey, folks, Mark Atobri here. And firstly, awesome. High five to you for listening to this podcast. You just did a your mind a service and leveled up your, your knowledge. Uh, I know you probably there was a lot of knowledge bombs throughout the way. And if you want to get more knowledge bombs, just like the, the, the knowledge bombs in this podcast, head over to our iTunes. It's the Wolf Stand by Enterprise Fitness and hit that subscribe button so you get all our updates. And if you want to hear more great episodes, you want me to do new episodes, I'd be oh so appreciative if you could leave us a review. It really does go a long way. Share this message. We want to get, I want to get the message of health, fitness, and strength, conditioning, all the good knowledge that you guys are getting on this podcast. I want to get it far and wide. So sharing it and leaving us review certainly does go a long way. And I would be most appreciative. So I'm going to thank you in advance. Thank you. How's that? Thank you in advance for leaving me a review. Now, folks, if you're listening to this and want to get in the best shape possible, if you're in Melbourne, well, come train with us in Enterprise Fitness. And if you're online or maybe not in Melbourne, you can certainly reach out to us. We've got some online coaches who can help you out with that. And if you're a personal trainer wanting help with their business or wanting to help getting those head-turning transformations and training champions and athletes like we've become known for, at Enterprise Fitness, head over to the Enterprise Fitness Academy. Folks, I am running internships. I'm running the internships. They're three-day courses with me where I download as much as I can on training, nutrition, and business. And I know that you're sure to enjoy. I I try and really make this program an absolute no-brainer. So trainers, new or old, just look at it and go, yep, I want to do that. You're going to train six times with me over three days. Your bodies will be sore and your minds will be filled with the goodness that is uh, training, nutrition, and business. So folks, again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more great episodes and hit subscribe. And if you're new, if you're a new subscriber, if you're a new podcaster, I welcome you to the tribe of enterprise and look forward on helping you along your journey. Till next time, folks, train hard, eat well, and supplement smart.